Welcome to the Exchange Church Podcast. You can find us on Facebook as well as Twitter and Instagram at Exchange Houston. The following is a message from our guest speaker. Uh, it is always good uh, to be back with y'all. I, I know these uh, first few years, uh, a lot of times in the with what I do, especially with uh, church plants, because uh, we go through we go through seasons. You know, I mean, we're uh, I'm getting ready in April uh, to turn our church in Saginaw over to a, a spiritual son, and uh, he's going to do an absolute amazing job. I've got too much on my plate traveling all around the country and around the world. Uh, but we're about to celebrate at the end of April our sixth anniversary, and it's amazing how uh, every year there's just kind of different stuff that takes place and happen. Remember, I sat in a, a church planning seminar, and uh, they said that uh, 80% of the people you start with five years later won't be there. And I was like, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. That ain't going to happen to me. And sure enough, <laughs> about five years later, and it wasn't all that people left because they were upset or angry or anything else. Some of it, I mean, we sent one couple to Australia to start a church. We sent a couple to Flint to start a church. We sent a couple to Atlanta to be a part of a church plan. So there was, a lot of it was healthy releasing and sending and movement and everything else. But, uh, you know, we go through different seasons. Church planning is not for the weak. That's a good place for an amen right there. You know, when you become a part of something new, everybody likes to walk into something where the building's all done, everything's finished, they got bounce houses everywhere and a multi-million dollar building. That's easy. You know, that, that, that's the easy stuff. But, uh, you know, it, it takes work uh, to be able to build something from nothing. And so uh, I want to encourage you all. I want you to know we love your pastors. Uh, believe in them, uh, excited for the, the vision and the passion God's put in them, and the whole team here. I always enjoy just coming and, and being around everybody. And being able to impart, I really want to encourage you uh, to be back tonight. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna deal with something tonight, and uh, probably for the last ten years, there's been a, a passage of scripture that has just continued uh, to gnaw at me, and it's John 1:18, and uh, you can look it up later. But it says, "No man has seen God at any time until Jesus showed up." Uh, that means everyone else until Jesus showed up still got God wrong. And that Jesus is the one that does that. And what's amazing is, you know, we, we try to answer that question for people. People say, what is God like? And some people think he's like Buddha. You know, I hope, at least hope you don't look like him. Uh, anyway, just, you know, some think God is like uh, Allah. Some think God is like Zeus. I mean, there's people that, that think God is this angry uh, man with a long beard sitting on a throne. Some think he's... Some think he's uh, been in a bad mood for a long time. Some people think he's like religion has depicted him, but God is really only like one thing, and he is like Jesus. And uh, we're going to look at that tonight and really what he came to reveal to us, and then, and then we'll minister to you, and we'll see how God wants to speak some words and prophesy and do all that fun stuff to you. A lot of times folks are like, okay, get past that preaching and just 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 start flowing, and uh, but that's just not how I flow. I got to preach first, uh, and, and something that stirs up in me, the Word stirs me up to then want to be able to uh, do a lot of that other stuff, and I really encourage you to be back. If you've ever, ever had just a question, you know, what, what is God like? Or uh, I, the one thing I run into all the time on airplanes with atheists, do, do, do you know that most atheists grew up in church? The uh, truth is the church has produced a lot of atheists, 
because uh, a lot of times they've had questions about things, uh, even the Bible, that a lot of times people didn't give decent answers for, or they just said, well, the Bible says so, and that's, and, and it's like, you know, this is a generation now raised in the information age, and because they said so, don't work anymore. Somebody please say amen. Okay, they're going to ask questions, and listen, I tell my church on a regular basis, I don't want you to believe anything because I tell you. I want you to be a good Berean. Go study it for yourself. Because guess what? I've been wrong before. I, I know that, you know, anyway, that's not that shocking. And, and I will be wrong in the future. And the truth is, is that I, I'm okay with that. I don't have it all figured out. Matter of fact, the older I get, I've told you before, I have more questions than I do answers. There was a day I thought I knew it all, and that was in my 20s and 30s. Hallelujah. And now the older I get, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be turning 50 coming up here in, uh, in June. The big 5-0. I'm going to hit my jubilee. 50 is a new 30, you know. So it's all good. At least that's what I'm telling myself in Jesus' name. I'm, I'm confessing it. 50 is the new 30. and Because uh, I at least still feel 30 in my brain. But my body lets me know, you are all of 49 years old right now. And uh, constantly tries to remind me of that. Uh, but I, I, I believe there's even been a lot of confusion. Because what I want to talk about tonight is that God is light and there is no darkness in him, which completely contradicts uh, the book of Isaiah, because Isaiah said, in God, there's light and darkness. And so who's right? I mean, it's, it's, it, it's, we get confused a lot of times even reading the Bible because we're not understanding proper covenant. We're not understanding uh, what we're looking at and where we're at. And, and, and I believe God wants to just clear some things up and realize that the gospel is simple. God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. There's never been a time he wasn't like Jesus. We just didn't know it, but now we do. And if you keep Jesus at the center, a good friend of mine says all the time, he said, if you keep Christ at the center of your message, anytime you swing too far to the right or too far to the left, you're going to run into a thief. Something's going to get stolen from you, but you keep Christ. You can't go wrong preaching too much Jesus. Someone please help me. Listen, I mean, he's the point. Matter of fact, the world, most of the world doesn't have a problem with Jesus. Muslims don't have a problem with Jesus. They believe Jesus was a great prophet and probably the finest human ever lived on the planet. I sat next to an uh, atheist on an airplane back here about nine months ago, and he, he wanted to sit and argue all kinds of stuff with me. And I said, listen, let, let's just, let's set aside that Jesus is the son of God because you don't believe it. I believe he's God in the flesh. You don't believe it, but you study Jesus. He said, yes, sir. He said, I've studied that Bible. He said, I have philosophy classes on it. He even went to a seminary for a while and it turned him into an atheist. Help us Jesus. And so uh, as, as we began to sit and have a discussion, I asked him this question. I said, if everybody on the planet chose to live the ethics of Jesus, the anthropology of Jesus, how Jesus treated people, if everybody on the planet, regardless if they believe he's the son of God or not, if everyone lived their life the way Jesus lived, what would the world look like? And an atheist looked at me and he said, heaven on earth. And I said to him, I said, isn't that a good enough reason to live like Jesus? Whether you believe he's God or not? He said, well, I don't know. I never thought about it before. I mean, I think that would be an okay thing because that's what Gandhi did. Gandhi, Gandhi read through the New Testament when he was about 19 years old and he believed in Jesus, showed up at a church one day to confess Jesus. They wouldn't let him in the door because of the color of his skin. And so Gandhi's the one that made it famous. He said, you're Jesus I'm okay with. You're Christ. You're Christians I want nothing to do with. But yet he lived the ethics and life of Jesus. He was a peacemaker. He was a person that, that I mean, he lived like Jesus more than most folks. And most folks would probably say he didn't go to heaven. But I know all kinds of folks that talk about Jesus all the time don't live nothing like him. Mean, mean. Some of the meanest folks I ever met go to church every Sunday. You know that? Uh, don't live like Jesus at all. I mean, our, our job is to be conformed to the image of the Son. 
And so uh, we're, we're going to dive into that. And if you've had questions about a lot of stuff, whether it's the Bible or anything else, tonight would be a good night to show up. And we're going to dive into some of that and, and, and hopefully, hopefully not terrify you and, and let you know that, that, uh, that actually God is a good God. And he gave us the scriptures for a reason. And we love them and we devour them and we eat them and we gobble them up. But we've got to understand them properly. Yeah, that's extremely important. All right, let me get to my assignment today. Turn with me to the book of Galatians, chapter number five, or chapter number six. Galatians, chapter number six. And uh, over this whole last week, I flew down. I, I've been, uh, I was telling, uh, I was telling Eddie, he said, how you doing? How's the family? I said, going good, but I have been knee deep in plaster uh, and dust and paint because my daughter and her husband bought their first house they're getting ready to move into and they happened to buy it over about a three and a half week period where I happened to be home and just preaching in Michigan on the weekends so dad became project manager because it's what we do for our kids and then I got sick for four days because demo day it was a uh, house was built in 1897 and there was 100 year old plaster and 60 years of chain smokers uh, and nicotine in the walls, and even with the mask on. I mean, I was coughing up stuff for about four days. I'm like, I'm not called to do demo work in Jesus' name. And just, you know, maybe deconstruction when it comes to some of our ideas, but, but, but not that. And so uh, I, I have been looking forward to getting down here. I've been down here a week already. Last Sunday morning in a cowboy church in Crum, and then Sunday night in a biker church. Uh, I actually call it right at our church. <laughs> I was, I, was, I was telling Pastor Kevin, they have folks get up and share testimonies, and I'm telling you, man, it'd make, it'd make a sailor blush sometimes. I mean, some of them folks there, I mean, uh, Atoka, Oklahoma, uh, meth capital of the South, church is full of, full of bikers and former meth addicts, and some folks still struggling with it, and uh, it, was, it was pretty funny. I took Nate with me, and he was just like, you got to believe, I can't believe these folks said this at church. It's just real. It's raw. So I had, I had a whole Sunday without an ounce of religion whatsoever. Amen. And I get one this Sunday, too. Amen. I know the exchange. I know how y'all are out here. Uh, but but then, uh, then, uh, then a few days actually in Dallas, and then I was in Kingsland, Texas for the last few days. Here for a few days, I shoot back to Dallas, and then I finally get back home. So you got me in the middle of the trip. I'm not too wore out yet, so uh, we should be good and refreshed. So, uh, But the uh, Lord began to put something on my heart over the last week. Uh, uh, really just, uh, truth is, uh, I've been so crazy busy. I know Pastor Jared has. We've really not talked a whole lot about things that have been going on in the church. I mean, sat with Pastor Kevin last night, and we got to eat and hang out a little bit. But uh, I, I really believe this this morning is a word to encourage all of you here that are a part of this house. So read with me Galatians chapter 6, starting at verse number 7. Uh, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Now, see, normally we hear that verse, and we think someone's going to talk about money. Uh, but yet Paul goes on to say, for he who sows to his flesh will of his flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Sowing and reaping, a, so much, a small part of sowing and reaping is actually about money. It seems like uh, when we think sowing and reaping in the church, it tends to always be like something that happens at offering. But everything we do in this life 
is sowing and reaping. If I want friends, I need to sow friendship. If I want to be loved, I need to sow love. Everything we do comes down to some principle of sowing and reaping. Whatever you put into something is what you get back from it. You know, I, I encourage churches all the time. I tell people, I said, listen, if you've got a restaurant that you really like, how I many you know it's good to frequent it? It's good to, to, to buy your food there, and it's good then to leave a decent tip. And all of a sudden, people, they show up one day, and the restaurant closed down. They're like, man, how come the restaurant closed down? Because people stopped giving to it. All right. I mean, what you don't give to goes away. Okay. It just, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's a business, it doesn't matter what it is. If it's something you love and you believe in, uh, you also do put your money towards it. So that's the only thing I'm going to say about money. So everybody say amen. It's all done right there all by itself. Now go on with me. And let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, everybody say due season. For in due season we shall reap if we do not faint or if we don't lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, uh, over the last week, this thing would not go away from me about, uh, you know, I I, I, I do know uh, just because, you know, I mean, I am a part of the exchange group page, y'all have, you know, put me in a part of that, and I do peek at it every once in a while, because uh, believe it or not, I mean, every Sunday morning, you guys are ones that get prayed for by me, whether I'm driving down the road, on my way to preach somewhere, whether I'm at a, a, a hotel, no matter where I am, uh, I'm, I'm praying for the leadership team here, for increase, I mean, I mean, uh, you guys are not just a place I frequent every once in a while, you guys are in my heart, all right, I, I actually care about what goes on around here. Is that all right? I mean, I mean, involved here, and and I'm not going anywhere. All right, I'm assigned to to leaders in this house, so just know I ain't going anywhere. Amen. All right. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm called here. I'm I'm assigned uh, to individuals, and so what 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 happens with that is it's not that I don't love everywhere that I go, but places that God's put in your heart. Those are ones you tend to think about more, pray about more. You want their success. Uh, There's a desire uh, to see God do great things in them. And it seems like over, especially since I got down here, uh, uh, you know, because I I know your, your, uh, you know, your theme for the year is unhindered. And of course, one of my favorite passages in the Bible is what you've been talking about. And I got real tempted uh, to just preach that, because I love Acts 28, 28 through 30, that every, every, everybody came to Paul, and he taught them the kingdom of God and how it pertains to Jesus Christ. My two favorite subjects in the whole Bible, Jesus and the kingdom of God. I've been preaching it for 27 years. I will continue to preach it. God continues to reveal more things about that to me. Uh, and then Paul did that, of course, being unhindered. But the thing that just kept turning in me is... Uh, there's a couple things specifically that keep us hindered. Uh, we want to live our lives unhindered, but there's also things that, that hinder us when it comes to moving forward individually and moving forward corporately. Because how many of you know, God doesn't just want each of us individually moving forward in our life. He wants all of us as a body, also moving corporately. Do you know that most of the promises in the New Testament are not individual promises, but corporate promises? Matter of fact, the disciples said to the Lord one day, they said, would you teach us how to pray? And he said, okay, this is how you pray. Uh, pray our Father. He didn't say pray my Father. He said pray our Father. Why? And he says, forgive us our trespasses as we 
forgive those who trespass against us. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. That means no matter how much faith you have, you're going to run into something in your life that you cannot overcome by yourself, and you're going to need an hour to help you out, okay? You're going to need one chases a thousand, two chases ten thousand. Any two agree is touching any one thing. It's never an individual thing by itself. It's nearly always corporate. That's why Peter never said that you are a holy Nate, you know, I mean, unless your name is Nate. Uh, You're a holy nation. You know, you're not a holy gene. You're a holy generation. You're not a royal priest. You're a royal priesthood. All right. So, I mean, it's all over the New Testament, but Paul gives us this promise and he says this. He said, let us, let us not be weary in doing good. Let us not be weary in, 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 in church planting, hallelujah. Let, let, let us not be weary in moving forward. Let us not be weary in, in, in what God has uh, for us moving forward because we all love when God gives us a promise because Paul here, he uses this word due season and there's, there's two main words in the Greek language for times and seasons. Uh, one of them is chronos, like, like any time you see uh, a watch that has like three dials on it and it'll have like three buttons here on the side. It's a chronograph and it, that deals with specific time, specific moment. But then there's Kairos and Kairos is an appointed time. It is like, it is like when you put, you know, you write something down, I have an appointment at two o'clock, that is a Kairos. There, there is a, a specific appointed time. But one of the Greek words also for Kairos also is a word that means prophetic fulfillment. In other words, there is a specific season that God prophetically wants to bring some things he promised you and bring it to pass. But this is what happens. Between the promise and the manifestation, there's something called the meantime. And some of you have heard me say this here before, even prophesying to people, but many times the meantime can become a meantime. And we love the promise. I mean, when God says you and your household are going to be saved, whoo, God said he's going to save my house. And then a week later, nothing's changed. And a month later, you're praying and they're getting crazier rather than getting better. And all of a sudden, six months later, nothing's happened. And then five years later, and you're like, okay, God, you said. So how come nothing is happening right now? And between the promise and the fulfillment. How many know we love the promise? We get excited about it. We love the fulfillment. Everybody loves harvest time. Woo, man, we love when things finally manifest, but in the middle, there's a process. And through that middle, man, it can get very frustrating. And what happens to us in the meantime is we can easily get discouraged and disappointed. Because I thought it was going to be like this. I thought I would be doing this. I thought my ministry would be further down the road. I, I thought that by now we, we would already, we'd already be running three services by now. Because, you know, when you start a church and that first launch is exciting, and all of a sudden, you know, 200, 300 people show up, and you're like, whoa, man, we're blowing and going. And then the next Sunday, you know, it's back down to about 100 people or so. And then you get moving along, and then God brings you leadership, and you start plugging people in, and you're moving forward, and everybody's working, and they're working jobs and they're working at the church and then everybody's getting weary in the jobs and then they're getting weary in church. Am I talking to anybody at all? And just all of that weariness begins to take place. And let me tell you something, weariness is going to happen to everybody in our lives. Weariness is a part of it. You cannot get away from weariness, but Paul says, listen, when weariness comes, just make sure you don't faint. 
Make sure you don't give up. Make sure you don't get so discouraged and so disappointed that you stop moving forward because it is in the discouragement, in the discouraging times and the disappointing times because we all go through. I remember when we started uh, the church in Saginaw, Michigan, I mean, uh, you know, we started off, man, we started off with a bang. We had folks showing up from everywhere. I mean, folks were all excited. They're going, man, we've been waiting for someone preaching this message. I mean, we were having folks. I mean, uh, we had some folks drive from Canada. All right. I, I mean, Canada is an hour and 45 minutes from us. They crossed the border every Sunday afternoon to come to our Sunday night service for about eight months because they were just starving. They found us somewhere online, and they were driving from Canada. I said, we got folks coming from other countries every single Sunday. This is insane. I, I, I mean, you know, we had folks driving three hours uh, twice a month because they would, they would want to come when I was preaching. I mean, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get mad at them. They're driving three hours, for heaven's sakes. I mean, just the fact that you'd even show up. And there was all of this excitement. And then, and then you know, about we move into our first building and there's more excitement. And then about a year later or so, uh, a bunch of the folks that were in leadership, they're like, man, listen, man, you know, we thought by now we'd have at least two, 300 people in here. Uh, we thought, but I mean, we got great music. We got great preaching. We, man, who wouldn't want to be a part of the connection? I mean, who wouldn't want to be a part of the exchange? Who wouldn't want to be a part of this culture, man? It's, it's not full of judgment. There's freedom. There's life. I, I, I mean, you can be yourself. You don't got to put on an air. I mean, who wouldn't want to be a part of it? But then we get moving forward in life, and disappointments take place discouragement takes place. And, you know, anytime you put dis in front of a word, it, it means to undo. So when there's discord, you undo the cord. When there's dysfunction, it undoes function. Discourage undoes courage. Disappointment undoes appointments. So God, God has these amazing God encounters and appointments for every single one of us. I believe on a weekly basis, sometimes on a daily basis. But if we are stuck in any kind of discouragement, whether it's something from our past, whether it's something that's going on individually, maybe, maybe someone that was supposed to guard us and protect us, hurt us and wounded us. Maybe, maybe we'd been through a divorce that we've had a hard time getting over. Maybe, maybe there was a family member that absolutely has treated us horrible. Maybe, maybe some Something happened. I was promised something on a job and it didn't happen. And now I've been spiraling down for about five years. And I thought God was going to do this because God, I'm doing everything right. God, I'm showing up to church. I'm even, I'm even giving some money every once in a while. God, I mean, I'm being faithful. And yet all these crazy people on the job are getting the raises and they're getting the bonuses. And I'm working my, t I'm showing up on time. And how come I'm, I'm doing good? I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. So what's up? Am I helping anybody at all? God, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing bad stuff. I'm doing good stuff. Good things, but it seems like other people are being promoted and other things are happening. And, and then we start to wonder, man, you know, am I doing something wrong? I mean, what's, what's going on with me? Let me, let, let, me, let me encourage you with something. Anybody that God has ever used had to walk through some kind of weariness. There's nobody that didn't experience weariness. Can you imagine being Noah? For a hundred years, you're telling folks it's going to rain and they need to start building boats. And nobody listens to you for over a hundred years. 
Not one convert in 100 years. I think I'd have given up. I've got to be honest with you. I don't, I don't know if I could have stayed in an area preaching righteousness and nobody showed up at all. I mean, imagine Abraham. God tells Abraham when his name is Abram, I've got a promised son for you, and you're going to have a child. Forty years later, God shows up when he's 99, has him come out of a tent, and then tells him, hey, man, guess what? Now you're going to have the baby. And he's like, Really? Really? In 99? And then Sarah's in the tent and she's laughing because, you know, this was pre-Viagra. Uh, you know, she's like, that old boy? I, I doubt it. You know, just, <laughs> that's why when you read it in the New Testament, it literally says God like had to revive him. I mean, revive him. Okay. It's, it's pretty intense in the Greek language. I'm, <laughs> thought it was time to have a little fun this morning. I'm going to get too serious. And she's laughing in the tent. She's like, are you kidding me? I'm 90. Who wants to have a baby at 90? It's like, I want grandchildren and great-grandchildren at 90, not babies at 90. Have you lost your mind, God? Well, well you talk about getting weary. Imagine, imagine, imagine being Joseph. God speaks to him and he says, there's a prince on the inside of you. You're going to rule one day. And he walks through a nearly 20-year process of being thrown into, thrown into a pit by his brothers. Then he's falsely accused at Potiphar's house, thrown in the prison. He's no doubt saying, God, what's up? When is this due season? You promised me. But man, in the meantime, it got a little bit mean, and I'm not sure what to do. And Joseph could have got stuck in the meantime. Could have said, forget it, man. I'm so disappointed. First of all, my brothers, they should have loved on me, not sold me into slavery. My family hurt me. Then I'm working hard for my boss. I'm faithful. His wife comes on to me, and I could have done it, and no one would have known. And instead, I run, and I get thrown in jail for it. What's up? I mean, imagine Joshua and Caleb. For 40 years, they have to wander with a bunch of whining, complaining powders after they tasted of the promised land. I think, I think Joshua and Caleb are two of the most incredible people in the Bible because i got to be honest with you. I mean, if I tasted of the land flowing with milk and honey, I tasted of my due season, and then I had to go back and wander around with a bunch of whining people, <clears throat> I'd have been, just take me to heaven. I don't know if I could have did it real well. Forty years before they lived there. You don't think Jesus didn't get weary? Jesus knows who he is at 12 years old. At 12 years old, he's in the temple teaching. His mother and father come back and say, man, what are you doing? He said, I must be about my father's business. It's my bar mitzvah. I know who I am. I know I'm the son of God. I know exactly. But from 12 to 30, 18 years, he can't heal anybody. He can't manifest the anointing that's on his life. Imagine you're the son of God, and you've got to walk by a cripple every single day, and you know you can heal him. The Bible says he learned obedience to the things which he suffered. You don't think that he got a little weary in doing good because the Bible says when he come up out of the River Jordan, the Father from heaven says, this is my son and who I'm well pleased. I mean, that, that's bothered me for years because what was he pleased with? I mean, he hadn't done nothing. He hadn't done anything that we think God would be pleased with, which is doing. He was just pleased with who he was. There's only one thing Jesus did. He learned obedience to the things which he suffered. His greatest suffering wasn't just the cross. He came to his own and his own received him not. He was wounded in the house of his friends. You know, you can't tell me that Jesus didn't walk through times where he also got weary. Just thank God he never fainted. 
Matter of fact, he got so weary that on the Mount of, Trans, uh, on, on the Mount of Transfiguration, God empowers him uh, standing there. And then he gets also to Gethsemane. And you talk about weary. He's like, Father, is there any way let this cup pass from me? Matter of fact, I, I don't even know if I want to go through with this anymore. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. In the midst of weariness, I, I, I'm telling you, you can't tell me Jesus didn't feel discouragement, didn't feel disappointment. I mean, he's touched with the feelings of all of our infirmities. That means you can't go through anything that he can't relate to, period. And in the midst of that, he shakes it off, and he's like, but nevertheless, God, I, I, I know my due season, and man, this meantime is mean right now, and I'm tired, and I'm weary, and, and I've got disappointed. People have disappointed me. I thought things would go this way, and they haven't gone the way that I thought it would yet. Things have happened in my life. I thought we'd be further along by now individually. I thought my family wouldn't. I thought by now, I mean, they'd be doing better than they are. I thought by now that maybe we'd have a little bit more money in the bank. I thought by now, uh, are we still doing okay? See, when, when, when weariness begins to settle, weariness is also a signpost that your breakthrough is around the corner. I, I want you to hear this. You talk about weary. David has oil poured over him by Samuel when he is 16, maybe 17 years old. And God says through the prophet, you're a king. You are a king. Nearly 20 years go by. He speaks, and he said, there's a king on the inside of this young man right here, and there's an anointing, the oil pours. And he's like, man, how's this going to work? Because I'm not a son of a king. And so he figured, hey, you know what? Uh, he goes down, defeats Goliath, and he says, first of all, to the king, so w w w what's my prize in this? And they said, well, you get my daughter. And he's like, okay, well, maybe that's how I'm going to become king, because if you marry the king's daughter, you might become a king someday. I mean, you know, he wasn't dumb. He's figuring this out, and he's like, you know what? Man, this just might work. But then all of a sudden, the king was supposed to teach him how to be a king starts throwing spears at him and the one that is supposed to teach him now chases him around in the wilderness for over 15 years and David finally comes one day to a place called Ziglag. Ziglag means the place of turning or winding or twisting. I like to call it the turning point. And he had come back from a battle with all of his mighty men, his soldiers, all the bad boys running with him. And, and everything had been taken from him. And now even his whole team leave. Everybody that one minute, they would bust through a troop just to get him a drink of water. Bust through a troop. I mean, just bad boys. I mean, guys that just took jawbones of animals and just whooped people. I mean, these are some bad boys. You ever study David's mighty men? There were some bad boys right there. They all leave. All he's got left is Abiathar, which means father of honor. He still had somebody that was speaking into his life, and he said, shall I pursue this troop? He said, you will do it, and without fail, you're going to recover all. There's still a due season. Do, do, you know, do you know that when you study the history of what happened right there, that when, G, when, when David was ready to give up on everything, he was 10 days away from being crowned king? 
Ten days later, he's crowned king of Judah. I mean, we're talking his due season was literally around the corner, but how he responded when he got discouraged and disappointed, that's why the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. That that doesn't mean he looked in the mirror and said, you're a winner, man, I believe in you, you can do it. He didn't have a positive confession fit on himself. He he literally, it says David shazaked, he conquered himself. He made himself. I mean, you got to make yourself do some stuff. Sometimes you don't feel like going to work on Monday. you got to force yourself to go to work on Monday. There's things you have to do. That's why even in worship, David said, soul, bless the Lord. In other words, I don't feel like lifting my hands today, but I'm commanding my soul to bless the Lord. There's sometimes you got to make yourself do some stuff, and it's not always just wonderful feelings. Life can get difficult. Scabola happens. Greek word for crapola. Things happen in our lives and we don't understand why they happen, but our response in those seasons, see, David could have said, man, that must be the will of God. Everybody's left me. My family's not here. Life has fallen apart. You talk about disappointed and discouraged, and David could have said, hey, you know what? I mean, that was an Old Testament mindset about God. I mean, the old, you know, it's interesting as you read the Old Testament how their idea of God morphed. It was continually changing and transforming. I mean, early Jewish writings, uh, you know, I mean, God did it all. Everything's God, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. You know, I mean, that's why you got in the Old Testament, it says, in Samuel, God told David to number Israel. Then you get to Chronicles about 300 years later, and it says Satan told God, (laughs) told David to number Israel. That's a little confusing. So was it God or was it Satan? Truth is, uh, God told him, but... Ancient cultures believe that God and the devil were nearly the same entity. That's why Jesus shows up and he said, let me, let me actually teach you right. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. <laughs> I've come that you might have life. In other words, God ain't killing folks. Because Jesus said, listen, you've misunderstood daddy. Let, let, me, te- let me teach you about daddy. And, and the thief comes. The killer is not dad. All right. Ancient cultures believe God did it all. We're, we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. I believe it'll clear up some stuff for you. But David, in the midst of that, he conquers himself. Ten days later, here comes due season. Here comes prophetic fulfillment. Just around the corner. See, what happens to us sometimes is on the journey, we get disappointed and we stop moving. We just get stuck. It's easy to get stuck. Listen, it's happened to all of us. I can't preach something I ain't experienced. Man, I've got, I've got stuck a bunch of times. Got stuck because I, 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 I got beat on. I get wounded. And until I got over some stuff, I couldn't get move forward even faster. I mean, I, I got, I, I, man, I've got the left foot of fellowship from three or four different fellowships. Been called a heretic from north, south, east, and west. And a lot of times folks never sat down and had a conversation with me. I mean, I mean, it amazes to me. I mean, it wasn't long ago I had a whole grace group all of a sudden tell people to stay away from me. And so a whole group of grace people didn't give me any grace. Those things are disappointing. They're discouraging. It's, it's life, man. That stuff happens. And, and when those situations, they, they've happened all through Scripture, all through history. You know, I, I, I love, you know, the mindset of entrepreneurs who are like, we didn't fail, we just learned another lesson. 
you know, what's that, that little meme that they put on Facebook every once in a while about Michael Jordan where everybody remembers the championships and the winning, but he's like, man, I've missed this many free throws. I've, I've missed this many shots. There's been a bunch of games I took the last shot and didn't win. And, but nobody seems to remember that. They remember the championships. They remember the, ah. But, but all of us go through seasons where we get weary. And so how do we respond when we're disappointed? How do we respond when people let us down because... Welcome to life. And guess what? When you make up your mind to do life together as part of a community, I've said this here before, but our, when we gather together as a church, it's not just for comfort, edification, and exhortation. We're anointed to irritate hell out of each other. Because if you don't get around some people that get on your nerves and you have to learn how to love them and still get along with them, then you never grow up. I mean, it's easy to get around people that all agree with you. I mean, it's easy to love someone that agrees with everything I say. I mean, that thinks just like you. That's easy. But when you got to get around someone that says, man, you know what? I, don't, I think that's crazy. I mean, I, where in the world do you even get that from? And, and that you have to choose to love enough. You have to choose to be mature enough. And uh, the truth is the American church is, is about kindergartners because we just leave instead rather than say, let's actually have a discussion and dialogue. Uh, we just kick each other to the curb because we're acting like little kids. And then we get discouraged and disappointed, and then we blame shift. It was their fault. I'm not in church anymore. Why? Because they, well, but you don't know what they did. And listen, everybody has a they did something to me. If you've been on the planet more than 10 years, they hurt you. It's, it's part of life. But when that weariness settles in, you know, Paul, Paul here, I believe, had the book of Isaiah also in mind. Because weariness will come, but it's how we respond to it. They that wait upon the Lord, Isaiah said, shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles, they'll run and not be weary. In other words, if we're weary, matter, matter of fact, earlier in Isaiah it says this. It says the youths do faint. When we fainted in our life, it's been because of immaturity. When we've given up, it's been because we're youths. Now, that, that doesn't mean that's a bad thing because we've all experienced it because we're all growing. All right? I mean, it's not, it's not a negative thing. It's part of the growth of life. I've fainted several times when I, when I should have pressed through. But what keeps us, Paul said, you were running a good race. Who did hinder you running? You were moving along good, but somewhere some discouragement or disappointment set in, and you stopped running, man. There was a time you were the first one in the building. There was a time you couldn't wait to serve. There was a time that you were excited about what was going on. What stopped the running? What happens is when we get discouraged, we stop waiting. And that word waiting doesn't mean you're all spiritual and you show up to a prayer meeting and sit around and say, I'm waiting on the Lord. It actually literally gives an inference in the Hebrew of a waiter or a waitress. He said, if you want to overcome weariness, discouragement, and disappointment, get busy serving others. As you serve others, they that wait upon the Lord, they'll renew their strength. Because you know what I've found? Is that the more we're pouring into other people, the less we're thinking about all of our issues. Sigmund Freud even made the statement, he said, I have yet to run into a person suffering from depression who is busy helping other people. 
He said, because normally when we don't feel good or when we've been discouraged or disappointed, we pull away from people rather than run towards people because we just want to back away from everybody and everything. And then rather than run the race, when we barely are crawling. And then we get in these different seasons of life, and it's like, I know what God said. I know what he promised. So what's up, God? How come this hasn't happened yet? And how come this? And he's like, listen, man. The pro- my promise is there t- to he that endures till the end. Th- th- there's a promise to overcomers. You know that most of the promises in the book of Revelation are not just to Christians. They're to overcomers. That, 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 that's a word, uh, you know, to be an overcomer. Like, we're, we're more than a conqueror. It's hooper nikeo. It's overcomer nikeo. It's actually where Nike comes from, all right? N- Nike is a Greek word that means to overcome, to win. And how do you overcome something? The only way you can overcome something is there's got to be something that you come over. In other words, you've got to learn how to get over it. Uh, you got to learn how to get over the disappointment and, and the discouragement. And man, it's going to happen in life. It's part of it. But you got to make up your mind. You know what? God, I'm going to live my life unhindered. I'm going to make up my mind that I'm not going to allow what has happened to me, through me, or on me, or something even I've done that has kept me back from moving forward. I'm going to live my life unhindered because I'm not going to let discouragement and disappointment hinder me from moving forward in the purpose of God because I've got to do season coming. I've got a prophetic fulfillment. I'm not going to let the meantime being mean keep me from moving forward. We've got to make up our mind. But he said, they that wait upon the Lord, they renew their strength. They mount up with wings as eagles. When you get busy waiting on the Lord, you know what it does? It lifts you above the problem. All of a sudden, you start flying, man, because you start seeing it now from a 30,000-foot view. When you're down looking at the problem, some of you have heard me say this before, but that's why the prophet Isaiah, for five chapters in Isaiah, he's a prophet of woe. His whole message is woe, 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 because he's viewing everything from the disappointment of what he sees around him. And all of a sudden, in chapter 6, he's caught up into the heavens, and when he views things from God's perspective, all of a sudden, what was a woe in one minute, now he's declaring, holy, 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 the earth is full of glory. I mean, how could the earth be full of woes one minute and full of glory the next minute? His perspective. He chose to see it from a different view. And if we choose to see things from down here, it's easy. I mean, if all you do is watch CNN and Fox News and you're going to be a prophet of woe because bad news sells. When you make up your mind to realize, man, the earth is full of glory. Man, his presence is there. It's everywhere. I choose to see through the eyes of God. I choose to not see through the glasses of discouragement and disappointment. I'm going to live unhindered. Why? Because I actually live at the 30,000 foot view because I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Matter of fact, I live down here on the earth, but I'm actually seated up there. And if I could keep that view, then the vision will stay focused. I realize there's there's an ending point. And no matter what happens to me on the journey in between, God has said... And if God made the declaration, he's going to bring it to pass. I just can't stay stuck. I can't stay stuck. I can't get to that place. Because, see, we we don't always have to just be running. If we just at least keep moving. Sometimes you feel like I'm doing is inching my way. I feel like the turtle and not the hare. 
I feel like, man, I want to run like a rabbit, but man, I can just barely move an inch at a time, but you're still moving. Sometimes we go through pain and we can't run. Sometimes we go through some stuff and we want to run on the inside, but man, we just can't run. And that's when Holy Spirit inside of us just says, okay, if you can't run right now, just let me help you move. Because in him you live and move and have your being. He said, let me help you just inch forward. Let me help you get past this so you can step in to what I promised you. They that wait upon the Lord renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and they'll not be weary. They'll walk and they won't faint. See, the... The enemy's purpose for bringing weariness, life's purpose, just this system of our world that brings weariness to everybody, especially when you're doing good. It brings it because it's trying to get you to faint. It wants to get you to give up. They just stop. Say, you know what? I don't need this. I, I know two years ago I had realize I lost the grace to lead the connection. I love starting churches apostolically, part of my purpose. But when you got to start managing it, I, I mean, I'm not a pastor. Never claimed to be. It's just, it's just not in me. Love people, but, I mean, the pastoral side of ministry. And everything in me was like, well, you know, first of all, I don't need this. I mean, I ain't never been paid for it. I've been doing this for free for four years. You know, I'm not walking away from anything. And, you know, there, there's, some, there's some times I'd go, pro, I'd, go, I'd go to another state, preach a Wednesday night and a Thursday night, go to another state, preach a Friday and a Saturday night, and then go uh, drive late Saturday night about two hours away, preach a Sunday morning, and then drive four and a half, five hours back for our Sunday night service to preach to a bunch of folks that some of them couldn't drive a mile to come hear me. And I just drove over 200 miles to come preach to them. And you know how easy it is to stand there and get a bunch of ingrates? <laughs> Ain't nobody drove farther than me today. You know, it's just like, well, what, what's the matter with y'all? I'm, I'm, I'm laboring. I'm, I mean, I'm, the, I'm, I'm paying for half of this. I mean, I'm doing all of this stuff, and you can't, you can't even drive a mile because it rained? I mean, that's just real, man. That gets disappointing. That can get discouraging. I mean, I just left a thousand people screaming at me and emptied my table. They couldn't get enough of my information, and y'all don't even want to show up and even to. And prophet is well to honor among his own sometimes. Yeah. All a big shot is a little shot away from home. <laughs> not, I don't care who you are, you deal with this. But you have to make up your mind I'm not going to faint. And I remember two years ago, I'm sitting there having all these thoughts like, man, you know, I don't need this. I just, psh. I love traveling. I love doing what I'm doing. I love giving oversight to churches. I don't need this. And then everything rose up on the inside of me. Yeah, but you've put blood and sweat and tears and prayers and your finances. And I told you to do this. 
And if I told you to do this, and I'm going to make sure it continues, you're not going to shut this down. It's not going to fall by the wayside. I'm your provider. I am going to take care of it. And it's like I had to shake myself off of the discouragement and the disappointment because we had had all kinds of people move in all kinds of situations. And, and, you know, I mean, you know, I remember I called home one Sunday when I wasn't there and I asked my wife, how'd things go? She said there were 17. I said, how was the offering? She said, $85. I said, huh? I was like, I don't need this. Of course, the next Sunday there was 90, you know. (laughs) But you have to make up your mind. I'm going to keep moving because I'm not going to faint. Now, this word faint, and then I'll I'll stop. This word faint is actually translated in the Greek language, small-souled, S-O-U-L-E-D. And our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Literally, Paul was saying this. When you go through these periods, do not allow yourself to become small-minded and give up. Remember the vision that's been placed in front of you. Don't allow. See, what happens when we get discouraged, I remember several years ago I was in Baltimore, Maryland, and uh, I got done preaching a message, and uh, it was a great church, a church there called Kingdom Church. I mean, I, was, I think I was the only white face. My wife and I just, it's great folks. Bishop Sandra, just preaching machine. Awesome woman of God. And I got done, and, and people had come forward, and I was ministering, and, and, and I, I, the Lord gave me a word for this one lady sitting there. And I said, man, I just feel like the Lord is telling me that you've given up, and you've settled, and you need to pull the list back out. You became discouraged, and you just finally gave up. And it was a word along that line. I got done afterwards. She came to my table afterwards, and she said to me, she said, she said, let me tell you something. She said, 10 years ago, God gave me a clear word that he had a husband for me, and he told me to make a list of what that man was going to look like. And she said, I made out my list, and I told God this is what I want in a husband. And I got excited because God said it. And then a, a year later, he didn't show up. And two years later, I started marking stuff off the list. She said, five years later, she said, by the time you just told me that word, I only had about two things on the list. God, I just want him saved and a job. Hallelujah. She said, I don't care what color he is. I don't care what he looks like. Just saved and a job, preferably with insurance. Hallelujah. Just... I mean, because what happens is when things don't happen in our timeline, it's easy for us to then get so discouraged where we're like, listen, man, you know, I'm willing to settle. I'm willing to be Reuben Gad in the half-tribe of Manasseh that even though God's got a land flowing with milk and honey for me, I'll be satisfied staying over here in the wilderness because, man, I don't even know if I want to go through what I need to go through to get over there. And see, when those things happen in our life. God, listen, I want to encourage you guys. I want to encourage the leaders of this house. I want to encourage every one of you that are part and connected here. Let us not get weary. Do you understand? It's not... It's not just individually. Our job as a family is to hold each other's arms up. Moses got weary and his arms fell down. And when his arms fell down, everything else started to fall apart because the leader got weary. But then Aaron and her walked up, lifted up his arms, and then everything began to flow together. It is about everybody functioning with synergy. It's everybody saying, listen, there's not anybody that's a part of this house that shouldn't be involved doing at least one thing not anybody in here that shouldn't be giving something 
Listen, we've gone past the day of beating people up for not giving certain percentages. Okay, but I remember looking at my church back here a year and a half ago. And I said, this is what I want you to do. I don't even want you to think about giving weekly anymore. I want you to set aside an amount every month that you've made up your mind that you're going to give to the church and give to God. I mean, people think in monthly terms when it comes to their giving because we had folks that say, hey, I'm going to give $20 a week, but then they didn't show up for three weeks. And when they showed up, they didn't put $80 in. I mean, it's just, and and how, how can you form a budget if you don't know how to do that? And I said, so I want you to just set aside weekly mindset because you might miss a couple weeks. But make up your mind. Listen, God, we're going we're gonna to set aside. We purpose in our heart that we believe in what's going on around here. We believe in this house. And, 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 and we're going to give this even if we don't show up for a month. Why? Because we believe in what's going on and we're a part of this. And guess what? We don't want it to go away. Because you know what I realized with our church in Saginaw? If it closed down, there was a whole group of people that wouldn't be going to church anywhere. Because we've got a bunch of folks that no other church in the area would know what to do with. They'd walk in and they'd immediately feel judged and kicked to the curb and all religion would jump and they'd be like, no thanks, man. That's what the Holy Spirit said. He said, where are they going to go? He said, where's she going to go and where's he going to go? Where's that Where's that ex-con and bounty hunter in your church going to go that he's still struggling with a bunch of areas of his life because the moment someone at other churches find out, they're going to be done with them. Where are they going to go? Weariness happens, but don't faint. And don't give up. Don't give up on your dreams. God promised it. He'll bring it to pass. See, Jewish mindset wasn't about the destination. It was about the journey. A lot of times we focus on the destination and we're missing out on all the good stuff that God wants to show us in the journey. But he's like, listen, man, I've, I've got all those wonderful things for you. Don't let disappointment keep you from future appointments. No no wonder Jesus would show up and he would say, be not afraid. Where is your faith? Be of good courage. Do you you know how many times through the scriptures men were told to be of good courage? The only reason God would say be of good courage is because you were discouraged. Be of good courage. Just be strong. Life happens, but don't faint and don't let each other faint. I've made it my mind this this last year. We had one of the churches that are part of our network that I oversee, and they'd gone through a, a pretty nasty split. A few people in the church just started causing all kinds of problems, and and ninety eight percent of it was completely unmerited because I knew both sides and cared for both sides. Finances went down more than. rumors are flying around town and I showed up in May I preached there every May I showed up went to eat after the service and the pastor's wife looked at me and she said I would rather right now go work for a veterinarian in town because at least animals are nice to you and I just looked at her and I said you're going to be all right." 
And after two days with them, and I begin to share with them stuff I've been through, because see, sometimes we just think we're all alone. We've all been through some scabola. And we've all been through some mess in our lives. And you're alive. You're a survivor, an overcomer. You made it. But by the time I got down, she's like, okay, I'm all right. I'm ready to keep doing this. I'm ready to keep moving forward. It's like, none of us have to do any of this. We make up our mind there's a kingdom purpose that God has. God, place the exchange here not by accident, but for a purpose. So don't allow each other to faint. Hold each other's arms up. Strengthen each other. Encourage each other. In Jesus' name. Stand on your feet, would you? Father, I thank you today. I thank you for your amazing love. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your incredible purposes in our life. Father, in Jesus' name today, I, I just... I curse discouragement. I curse disappointment. Father, no matter what it is, whether it's individual things that we're going through, Father, or corporate things, Father, things that we thought would be one way and they're not the way we thought they would be. Maybe maybe situations in our families, situations in our finances, situations in relationships, Father. I, I just release your amazing goodness and your amazing grace into this house, Father. And I, I thank you. I thank you, Father, for strengthening us even this morning. I thank you for an infusion of your grace, an infusion of your strength. As, as Paul said, I labor by the grace of God more than all the other apostles. I, I just ask for an infusion of your grace to endure. I thank you for a house full of overcomers. I thank you Father, that disappointment and discouragement will not keep us from moving forward. I ask that we would have a heart to wait on you like never before, that we'd have a heart to run the race like never before. Father, I ask that you would encourage every person in here to start running again. I decree if we've started crawling, that we at least start walking again and then start running the race that you placed in front of us and not allow nothing to hinder it from that movement. Help us to get all unstuck in every area of our life. We'll thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want you to do something. Put your hand on your heart, would you? And I want you to pray this with me. Because there's something that happens when you open your mouth and you let it out of your mouth. I believe, therefore, I speak. There is something that happens when you make the declaration. Say this out loud. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for prophetic promises, for kairos moments. I curse weariness and fainting. I curse discouragement and disappointment. Anything hindering me from running the race, get me running again. Get me running again. Release fresh passion in my heart for your kingdom purpose. And we'll thank you for it, Father. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now I want everybody, I want you to grab the hand of the person next to you and I want you to lift it up. And if you've got to turn around, encourage someone. Listen, I, I want everybody with someone grabbing hold of them. And I just want you to make up your mind right now that I'm not going to let you faint either. 
All right, this is not kumbaya, okay? This is, this is real life stuff, man, where real things happen. And, and, and we can't do it by ourselves. We need each other. We need each other. This is the victory that overcomes the world. It's our faith. And I'm telling you, man, I'm releasing and sharing my faith with you all fresh today, letting you know, man, that you guys are going to make it, that this team is going forward, that disappointment and discouragement has no place in your life in the name of Jesus. And that Heavenly Father, what He said, He's going to bring to pass no fainting. I want you to begin to pray for the person on your right or left. You don't have to do it super out loud. I just want you to pray, God, help them to not faint. I want you to say that, God, just help them to not faint. Whatever they're going through, Lord, I I ask that you help me to encourage them to not faint. No fainting, no giving up, no small-mindedness, no small-souled. Father, let vision explode in our hearts. Let dreams that have been beaten down begin to come alive again. Father, I release that grace over this house. Father, I decree it and I call it so. Father, I decree it and I call it so. Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now, I I want you to turn I want you to give some love to that person next to you and I want you to tell them, I'm not going to let you faint. Come on, turn and tell them, I'm not going to let you faint. You may not even know them. Just let them know I'm not going to let you faint. I made up my mind to be an encouragement to you and not a discouragement to you. Made up my mind you're not going to faint. You're not going to faint. You're not going to faint. Now, I just bring it down just to here. I, 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 I was going to wait till tonight, but I, I heard this just, uh, just to prophetically release to, uh, to encourage the house today. You know, Paul said, one plants, one waters, but God gives the increase. And we love increased season. I mean, no, everybody loves the harvest. I mean, how many know we want to live there? I mean, just perpetual harvest. Woo, that would be beautiful. That'd be a good thing. But the truth is, it's not reality. Uh, the, the truth is, we're always in one of three seasons. We're either in a planting season, a watering season, or a harvest season. Our job is to plant and water. Only God gives the increase. The truth is, we can't force stuff to happen. We can't make stuff happen. I don't care how much you pray, how much you fast. You can't make something happen. God is the Lord of the harvest. We're not the Lord of the harvest. We are, he sends us out into the harvest field to gather, but he is the harvester. And, and the house right now, y'all just need to discern where the house is. This is, this is a planting and watering season. Uh, our frustration is when it's not a harvest season and we're trying to get a harvest. Uh, need to learn how to be okay with the seasons that we're in. So just keep planting and keep watering and keep planting and keep watering, keep planting and keep watering, keep planting and keep watering, keep planting and keep watering. It's like harvest God, when? Keep planting and keep watering, keep planting and keep watering. Because it's closer than you think. Just like David, it can be just around the corner. And I, I just speak encouragement. Uh, over you guys. You're going to make it. There's too much in you. The dream. I just love sitting around and listening to these guys dream. It just inspires me. I wish I was a dreamer like they were. I'm just, I'm a little more of the structure guy. Just, how are we going to strategic? <laughs> I'm just, but I, I love the dream and I love the passion. I want you to know, man, I, I love you guys. Excited for what God has done in a short amount of time. And he's far from done. Keep running. Okay? Keep running.
Thank you for listening to the Exchange Church Podcast. Follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for the Exchange Church Houston. If you would like to give to the Exchange Church, you can go to our website at IamTheExchange.com and look for the red button in the top right corner labeled Give Online.